Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk-off home run. Brad Slash. Hello and welcome in, everyone, to episode 159 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's me, Mike Curland, rolling solo. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland and it's been a bit. We haven't recorded since July and July 5th at that. And the big reason, my fault. I needed a break. I've been uh, I've been grinding for a number of years and it kind of just hit me that I needed to take a little bit of a break, slow it down and refocus my efforts and really decide what I wanted to do. And the podcast just happened to suffer because of it. But I'd like to think that we're back. We're going to try to be weekly, but obviously we're just kind of going with the flow. Regardless, you guys aren't here for that. What you are here for is that early jump in 2022. And I want to take you through my process this offseason. And what I mean by that is I'm going to be contributing to the SP Schumer draft kit. I'm going to be breaking down players. And I kind of want to show you how I go about my offseasons. And I typically start my offseasons simply by recapping a ton of players. Um, Like I'll make notes and I'll start my ranking process now. But right now it's kind of like a bunch of like names in a bag, so to speak, I usually start with like second half standouts. What changed in a player's second half that made them end well? What made them fall off if they stand out in a negative way? Um, September standouts, is there relevance in terms of like maybe September guys that nobody's really talking about being contributors in 2022, why they can be, how we should rank them. And it's again, it's a long overall like process. And again, I don't have my ranks done yet. I'm starting to work on them already. And the idea here is to just kind of go over some names as I find them interesting and as I kind of break them down. So it's going to be a whole offseason thing. What else do we have to talk about, right? We have months until draft season starts. So let's just jump into those three names uh, for this episode. And if you obviously click on the title, you'll know it's going to be Paul Goldschmidt, Josh Bell, and Tyler O'Neill. I want to discuss them and why they intrigued me so much and why they caught my attention for this first episode and the idea to kind of do these end of season recaps on a ton of players. So this is part one, part one of many I would like to think. I plan on doing more, but we're going to start with those three names. And it's always going to be random names. It really is. But um, I'm going to discuss them. I'm going to look into their, you know, under the hood a little bit and see if we can figure out what went right, wrong, or in between. Before we start, I have to tell you guys, I have started a website. Again, this isn't the first radio, but 
This is where I'm housing all my like little projects. I should probably start with the name skplaybook.com. That's the letter S, letter K, playbook.com. And it's pretty much just where I put all my own personal projects. I have that fantasy baseball, the lineup chart that I'm going to be doing again this year. It's housed there. I started a fantasy football usage chart where I monitor each team week by week, all 32 teams on their own tab. You can see their usage, how their players utilize, et cetera. That's on the site. And we started a community. We, as in me and George, George will be joining me back on BLP soon. And he decided to help me out with starting a discord. So you could see our, you could see our community, what it offers and all that on the site as well. Again, skplaybook.com. Also, for those interested in fantasy football content from the same providers here at the BLP, me and George are doing a football podcast. It is called Another Fantasy Football Podcast No One Asked For. It is a mouthful. Again, I will link this as well in the description of the podcast so you can find all this and, and whatnot right there. I will have links in the description of this podcast. But of course, you guys are not here for fantasy football. You're here for fantasy baseball. I just have to promote that side of things so we can move forward. Let's jump right into Josh Bell. And with Josh Bell, what really intrigued me, we have three days left in the season, so this could change, but he's one of three players to have more walks and strikeouts in the second half of the season as of right now. Again, we got a couple of days left, so that could change. He could strike out a couple of times without walking and mess up the stat. So what changed? And we saw like a 20-point gain in batting average as well from like 245-ish to 268, so just over 20 points. Why? What? Where was the, where was the change here? The walk rate also jumped up what, 5%, roughly, 5.5%. I don't know why he decided to make these changes, but they're working. And all it did was give him a bottom line of essentially being Josh Bell. He ended up with 27 home runs, bang, 256. Again, as of right now, the season hasn't quite ended yet, but he won't have much more. The, the stat line will be very similar. And if you look back to 2017 Josh Bell with the 18.9% strikeout rate, the 10.6% walk rate, 26 home runs, 255 batting average, Again, with 27 home runs in 2021 for Josh Bell with 11.2% walk rate, 17.8% strikeout rate, and 256 batting average, he's back. Like, that's what he did. 2018, he was kind of doing similar things, just didn't have the power. And then 2019, we had that, you know, the big year. And now he's kind of reverted back and fallen. He's kind of fallen back to that 2017, 2018 version of himself, which is serviceable. He's a guy that can honestly just be a fallback option at first base or corner infield next year in drafts. And you kind of just forget him. He's a lot more valuable in OBP formats or points leagues where he doesn't strike out a lot and walks a ton. But let's look at the second half. What changed in the second half? Like we already mentioned, there was a gain in um, walk rates and a decrease in strikeout rate. So besides that, what was the other uh, changes he had in his profile? So the only real difference in the profile, again, besides being a little more patient at the plate, was the fact that he pulled the ball a lot more. And that could help explain the power production because he had 15 of his home runs in the second half as well. So more than half. But other than that, I mean, he was more selective at the plates. So although the ground ball rate did go up, which again causes low bats for him, he was seeing more ground balls. It was over 50% for the season, even higher in the second half, which is actually a cause for concern. But he was selective and it worked out because not only was he more selective and the walk rate went up, but the strikeout weight rate went down. And the strikeout rate went down, not even just by the fact that he was more patient, but he was making more contact. So he was actually being more selective and hitting the pitches he actually sat on. So by having a Z contact rate go up about 5%, a swing and strike rate drop about 5%, and a chase rate overall drop about 4.5%, he managed to do the right things in terms of chasing less, swinging less, while making more contact. So again, he sat on pitches. Uh, Josh Bell took advantage of him, just sat, waited for his pitch 
hit it really hard, hit it well. And that's why the home runs went up in the second half. Again, the batting average was better, but it's going to be hard to sustain a decent batting average. That's why a 250 hitter is expected roughly with him. So being like, that's why he ended around 55, 57. That's normal. That's fine. That should be what you expect. He's nothing sexy in terms of the batting average. Obviously, no stolen bases. The power is decent. He's not a league winner, but he is going to be a roster stabilizer for me entering next season. And there was just, again, a lot to like just because Josh Bell is back, but not back to 2019, back to being just that guy that you kind of settle for in later rounds. Paul Goldschmidt defies time. Um, like I liked him this year. He joined this, like, it's kind of an exclusive 30 home run, 10 stolen base club. And the big thing here for me is the stolen bases, not the 30 home runs. This is his fourth straight season with at least 30 home runs. It's the fact they hit 295 again. This is coming off of 2020 where he hit 304, which, again, that was a short, small sample. And people weren't sure if 2020 was legit in terms of the batting average because he came off a year hitting 260. But the guy has hit 285 or better pretty much every year of his career, minus the rookie season in 2011 and minus 2019 so 2019 was actually the outlier not the not what we should have expected from him and in 2019 when he hit 260 he had a career low babbit of 303 regardless i digress he did have warning signs prior to 2020 in terms of why he might decline however in 2020 paul goldschmidt did show reasons to believe wait maybe he's not done he cut out the strikeouts he improved the walk rate and in 2021, Paul Goldschmidt came back with a vengeance saying, you know what? I'm also not done with the, on the base pads. He stole 12 bases for us. this year. Let's put that in perspective. That's more than his last three seasons combined. Now, 2020 was shortened, but he has 11 stolen bases over his last three seasons and stole 12 this year. What's impressive about that is seven of them are in the second half. So it's not just they ran down the stretch while they needed a win. He was running all year long, five in the first half, seven in the second half. But he was 12 for 12. That shows me that maybe they'll give him that green light next year. I don't know like if we could bank on 10 stone bases, but we can obviously bank on five to seven, which is not nothing. It's just he is a more of a four and a half-ish category producer in fantasy, and the plate discipline has remained to be good. He's not selling out for power anymore, it seems like. Initially, it looked like he was going that route of selling out for power, sort of, but he managed to kind of just revert back. And honestly, I was surprised he hit 30 home runs. I didn't think I didn't peg him for 30 this year because I did like his trends in terms of like being more contact oriented and stuff last year. And this year he wasn't as good with the contact rates, but still solid. Um, 81.2% Z contact on the year, 77.7 contact rate overall. Last year it was higher, but 77.7 for Goldschmidt is the highest it was before prior to 2020. It was the highest it was since 2016. So he's still putting up numbers, although his play discipline wasn't as good as 2020, it was still better than the previous three seasons. And he's still on that upward trend in terms of like solid plays. He was tra- chasing less than, again, 2020 was like an outlier. I'm looking at late less than 2019, 2018. Like he still made positive changes, even though all of 2020 didn't quite stick. Some of it did, which is good because Goldschmidt and plate discipline, if he can keep that up, that batting average. Will- Here's the thing though. I think he's going to be priced out in, in 2022. And people are going to look at the stolen bases. And honestly, I don't know how to value those. I'm not going to say he's not going to steal 10 again. Because when you go 12 for 12, your team's going to let you run a little bit, but he's going to be another year older. And yeah, the plate discipline did trend down this year, so it could trend closer to 2019, 2018, which could lead to maybe a 280-ish batting average. But I think he's going to be a very solid, high-floor player in four categories and give you maybe a potential for those 10 stolen bases, and that's tough to get from first base. And the final guy I want to talk about, because I (laughs) talk about being lost, I have no idea how Tyler O'Neill did what he did. 
Tyler O'Neill managed to hit 280 over the 360 Babbitt. And 360 Babbitt sounds like a lot, but for Tyler O'Neill, that's pretty much in line with his with two of his previous seasons, 386 Babbitt in 2019 and a 364 Babbitt in 2018. So the Babbitt at 360, although it feels high, is something he has done previously. What is concerning and will forever concern us is the 31.6% strikeout rate. We've seen O'Neill strike out less than 30% once in four seasons at the big league level. And that was in 2020 when he hit a whopping 173. <laughs> so obviously he's not going to, I don't think he's going to put up a 280 season again. He's probably closer to a 250 hitter. If you actually look at his 2019, 2018 seasons with the simple, like I said, with those bad being elevated, he managed to hit 262 and 254. So that's fine because he's able to hit for 32 home runs and 14 stone bases in just 135 games. The power and speed are there and the speed's legit. He has like high end sprint speed. The dude can run with the best of them. And now you throw in the fact that he's, his power is there. Very encouraging, but you have to be realistic with that batting average. That batting average is not going to stick. There's, I'd be very hard-pressed to buy into that. And his swing strike rate is still higher than it should be. It's above league average at 16.0%. It's the second best of his career, but still not great. Contact rates in the under 70%. League average, for reference, is 76.1%. I don't like this profile at all. It's too... I mean, uh, I don't want to fade the skill set, but I can't get excited for this. The, and something tells me because people are going to see the flashy numbers, people are going to get really excited about Tyler O'Neill. but I'm not. I'm I'm concerned. I'm going to avoid him. I don't want to deal with this. Like, I don't – I'm I'm trying to gather what we see differently in this profile than we saw in 2020 where he struggled. And he is swinging at the most pitches in the zone than he ever has before. So maybe his plate recognition is getting better. Um, he's chasing more than last year, though. His O contact is right in line with last year while chasing more. The zone contact is the same exact as last year while swinging in the zone more. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. That Babbitt, I don't get it. I know the plus speed plays up, so that's going to help him. And what also, what and what's also helped him is the you know career best line drive rate, twenty three point two percent. That's really good. The ground ball rate's only thirty six point five percent. Also really good. He's getting and he was he showed willingness to not just be so pull heavy. So going up the middle more, thirty six point eight percent of the time. He's well. He's been willing to work the field more because the power is going to play up. But he's naturally a very strong, big guy hitter. That's his natural skill set. But man, Tyler O'Neill really does concern me because I can't get behind that plate discipline. And plate discipline, I will fade bad plate discipline like almost every time I have opportunity to. He overperformed against fastballs while underperforming against breaking balls and a little overperforming against soft speed. So that kind of all, uh, that kind of all works itself out there. Um, I'm just trying to see. Where I'm really trying to like get this point now, I pulled up some pages. I'm really trying to find out what's going on. The pop up rates less again, that helps, but it goes back to him hitting more line drives and all that stuff, less ground balls, so less pop ups with less fly balls, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, the shift, maybe let's see how he's doing against the shift. Against the shift, he was shifted against 32.5% of the time and he killed the shift. Woba of 426 with a Woba of 349 with no shift. So teams and teams actually shifted him less this year than last year, slightly. I think a lot of his help came from the fact that he had a strong lineup around him. They went out they, uh, in terms of like they going on, they went on that late season run. Um, I just don't see enough growth in the plate discipline for me to buy in. But I do think he could be a 250 hitter. I just don't know. Are they are the Cardinals going to let him get free run as a 250 hitter with the on base skills being what they are? Because, you know, his walk rates have never been north of 10 percent or even close. And not that 10 percent needs to be what it is, but it's like. League average is like eight to nine percent usually, and he's only had above eight percent one time walk rate. 
and he strikes out at a 30% clip three out of four years. I, I mean, we know he hits the crap out of the ball. We know he has the plus speed. He's just, and his whiff rate is bottom 3% of the league in the league. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. You whiff that much, you swing that much swing and miss in a game. I, I already know because of the skill set and the upside, you're going to see him go going earlier than I like too, probably. So I'm willing to, I mean, you just, you look at his face, you pull up his uh, savant page, it's all red, but I, I can't. Bad play discipline. I can't harp on that enough. I just can never buy into it. I will be right about a player like this more than I'll be wrong, but I'm willing to be wrong on Tyler O'Neill. Not because like he was a great story. It was a lot of fun to roster him. It was kind of surprising. He did what he's done considering the swing and miss in his game. Let's check out the second half. You know what? Let's break him down. Let's look at him a little closer. Cause I think he had a big second half and that's, I know. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Hold on. I'm working on it. Look at the wrong splits there. First half, second half. Where are you? There you are. He hit 284 in the second half, so 10 points higher than the first half. He stole the same amount of bases. Um, nothing really changed in the second half. Maybe he played discipline. Struck out more. Walked more, though. Um, he struck out more in the second half. That's concerning. Did he pull rate, maybe? Like, pull all the ball, batted ball day loads. I'm trying to see anything. Less line draw. More ground. Ooh, his ground ball rate spiked 10, uh, 10%. 10 point, it was 10 points higher in the second half. I can't talk. Um, the ground ball rate, yeah, it was. Only thing I can think of, I don't know. I'm surprised. Again, I'm very surprised given the fact that he hit more ground balls in the second half. He hit for 10 points higher. I don't know. I don't like it. I There's a bust potential here, in my opinion, for Tyler O'Neill 2022, which I guess wouldn't shock many people listening at this point. But, man, like, I don't know. Let's look at the zone. I don't know. Maybe, like, I'm, I'm really I'm looking for something here positive and trying to see what changed. The whiff rate per zones, maybe. Let's look at 2021 versus 2020. Okay, so he there is less holes in his game in terms of whiff rate. Looking at um, 2020 versus 2021, top of the zone was completely a complete whiff rate spot for him in 2020, whereas in 2021, he managed to at least hit up and away. So it's like he took he took away one of the whiff zones basically. He was hit he was hitting less. Let's see. Well, what's his whiff, we can just look at his whiff rate and see that. He wasn't as pitchable. Like you weren't able to attack him as much in in a couple zones is what it sounds like. That's why I'm like I'm over here really trying to find some stuff, though. Really, it's, it's really annoying that it's that, this tough. His overall whiff rate, no, it went up. I, but he was whiffing in certain zones less. It's almost like maybe pitchers found which zones work best and just exploited them more, but he was whiffing less in certain zones, which was encouraging initially. His first pitch swing rate went down, so maybe he was sitting on pitches, certain pitches more, which helped him overcome some of his struggles with swinging and missing. I don't know. Um <laughs> I, I don't know here, man. I'm, I'm trying so, again, trying so hard to figure out what the hell is going on with this profile, and it kind of stumps me. I got nothing. I think he overperformed. It's that simple. I think he overperformed mostly in the batting average department. The, this power's there. The speed's there. That will be there. But the Cardinals, I mean, his OBP isn't great, typically. Like, obviously, batting um, 280 on the year, that salvaged it. But... He's never had an OBP over 311 prior to 346 this year. I don't, and walking 7.2% of the time on the season, that's not going to get his OBP up to 346 again next year, type of thing. So I don't know how long the Cardinals are going to give him, how much of a leash they're going to give him if his, if his swings and miss issues come back and really show out, you know, continue to strike out over 30% of the time. I don't know. I got, <laughs> I'm, I'm beating a dead horse at this point. This podcast could end five minutes ago. I'm literally talking in circles at this point, so I'm not going to do this anymore. I'll take a second look at him again, maybe, and maybe I'll find something new. But as of right now, how things stand, I don't like this profile at all. And I'm going to probably be out on him in 2022. 
oh, I hope you like the idea of like, this is my, you, you got an inside look at my thought process. Like I, I go into depth, I start looking at things, I find things. And this is what I want to do all season, kind of invite you into the process, invite you into where this, where my brain goes when I look at a player's profile and how I try to navigate through and find good or bad in it. And yeah, that's going to do it again. You want, if you want to check out what we offer in terms of discord, it's on skplaybook.com. Link is in the description. Don't forget, you can check out our fantasy football content as well if you're interested in that stuff. We appreciate the, you guys supporting us through the ups and downs of this year. And I wanted to just say thank you to everybody who supported us through the ups and downs. Again, this year was a weird year. Took some time off, but I'm glad to be back. And I look forward to bringing you some more of this stuff the rest of the offseason. season.